Hello, today is Wednesday, January 24th, and welcome to episode 289 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI's Deputy Executive Director, Jessica Jones, and I'm joined today by NSI Senior Fellows, Les Munson and Morgan Vigna. Uh, we are today returning to our regular scheduled programming and taking a break from our very fun NSI on the Ground series. Uh, but if you haven't heard it, please check it out. It's the last two episodes. And if you liked it, you're in luck because we're going to be doing more of that. But today we're going to be discussing news that came out yesterday uh, about Turkey's parliament voting to approve Sweden's NATO membership bid. Um, though we'll have to wait, of course, till Turkish President uh, Erdogan actually signs the protocol into law. This comes after months of delay. Both Sweden and Finland applied for NATO membership in May 2022, following Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Um, Finland kind of spun out ahead of Sweden and ended up joining NATO back in April 2023. Um, Hungary and Turkey were the last two holdouts when it came to Sweden's accession. Um, with the movement in Turkey, Hungary is now the only member state that has yet to rife, ratify Sweden's accession. But yesterday, it also hit the headlines that Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban sent a letter to his Swedish counterpart inviting him to Budapest to discuss Sweden's accession into the NATO military alliance, which may indicate a break in Hungary's resistance. It's worth noting that Orban has also long promised that Hungary would not be the last NATO member to ratify Sweden's bid. So maybe he's just trying to get in at the last moment. Um, for its part, earlier this month, uh, Sweden reactivated part of its civil conscription. It's planning to send 800 troops to Latvia uh, early next year to reinforce NATO's presence in that country. And uh, to kick off the year, Sweden's Minister for Civil Defense stated that there could be war in Sweden, which made the headlines for all but a couple minutes. So first, uh, Morgan, I'm going to turn to you. You know, Turkish President Erdogan has made it pretty clear that uh, Sweden's NATO membership bid is linked to uh, this, the purchase of F-16 fighter jets. Uh, what do you think of, of, you know, of that position? Are we getting the U.S. getting the short end of the stick here? So I think that the F-16 deal um, is, is definitely an important part of Swedish membership. Um, I, I do think that um, Turkey's parliament approving um, uh, Sweden's accession to NATO is a step in the right direction, but it's, it's, it's not the end of the story here. Um, this F-16 issue is still outstanding. Of course, it requires the approval of Congress. I think Erdogan is incredibly fortunate and has proved quite good luck that Bob Menendez is no longer the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Um, he would have certainly held that up um, or would continue to hold that up um, for, for as long as possible. Um, there's clearly no love lost between Menendez and Erdogan. However, with the new chairman, um, Ben Cardin, um, I, I think he has signaled um, a willingness to, to discuss this with the administration. He, no decisions have been made yet. The notification hasn't been sent to the Hill. But I think clearly Cardin has stated as well that, you know, Sweden's accession to NATO is, is just one of the many issues that they're looking at when it comes to the F-16 deal. Cardin is a robust human rights advocate and has said clearly that this is going to be an issue that he takes a look at. Clearly, Turkey has used F-16s in Syria against the Kurds. They've also stationed F-16s in Azerbaijan. Um, and we saw what happened um, with the war between Azerbaijan and Armenia over Nagorno-Karabakh. So I, I, I think 
Turkey is, is, is definitely a complicated partner, particularly given the 10-7 um, attacks against Israel. So, um, as, as well as, you know, what, what we see going on in Greece. So this is, this is a very multifaceted issue. Um, the F-16s are, um, likely going to go through. Uh, I wouldn't, I would be very surprised if we see the sale, um, scuttled, but I, I, I do think it's something that we need to, to, be very careful about in terms of uh, moving forward with uh, our future relationship with Turkey. Yeah, let's in addition to kind of Turkey's, um, you know, recent uh, relationship with NATO and, and the rest of the countries in the alliance, you know, NATO is also hosting, what's your thoughts on that? But NATO is also about to host or is hosting its um, largest military exercise since the Cold War, 90,000 troops. Uh, Russia, not happy about that, of course, or, you know, is the alliance kind of poking the bear a bit with these exercises and these votes in accession of Sweden? Well, I think there's, these are all fascinating topics. There's a lot of stuff that uh, this, development implicates probably the the most important one is for those of us who are concerned about the rivalry between Sweden and Norway and I'm a <laughs> Norway supremacist um, we've we've had it good over the Swedes for a long time they weren't part of NATO and Norway's been a stalwart ally uh, it's going to make it a little more complicated now that Sweden's going to be coming into NATO. So maybe that kind of competition. So good. if you didn't know that before, uh, uh, Les is the uh, yeah. steadfast Norwegian supporter over here. So please yes, watch your despite comments my, on board. Despite my <laughs> Swedish genetic material. Um, <clears throat> but I think uh, also very illustrative about the limits uh, of Russia's actions uh, and this kind of axis it has with Iran and China. Uh, there is great concern in Europe about Russian aggression in Ukraine and the potential for it to spill elsewhere. And so to be to, to be able to keep Turkey on side and Turkey's interests have become much more complicated as it has become a bigger player in the Middle East and in uh, South uh, Eastern Europe and in the Mediterranean. There's a whole bunch of uh, conflicts that uh, Turkey's involved in. Our interests do not always perfectly align with them. Our values certainly do not always align with them. But the uh, the fact that Turkey is staying within the NATO structure here and positively so, although there's been a lot of hand wringing about it, is a is a major development and very indicative that in the in the long run, the West is in a remains in a very advantageous position. Also, just politically, it's good for the Biden administration. You know, uh, President Biden campaigned on emphasizing alliances, particularly NATO. This this is a feather in his cap in this election year. Uh, I expect him to be using it uh, out on the on the campaign trail as things go forward. So the, for those folks who, you know, we're kind of talking about this in the last couple of podcasts, who don't think voters care about foreign policy or that that's not part of an election process. It is. Voters do care. They notice this stuff. It's going to be relevant. It's certainly going to be a conversation between the two big candidates as as we go forward here. So I think there's this is, this is a really important development. I'm glad we're talking about it. Uh, there's there's a lot going on here. Well, speaking of the upcoming election, we also see President uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky inviting uh, former President Donald Trump to the country. Um, you know, after statements uh, President Trump made that he could end the Russia-Ukraine war in a single day if he was returned to the White House. I mean, yes, you know, how which much day will that be? <laughs> Will it be a day in 2029? I, who knows, yeah. right? I mean, what do you think, you know, the alliance, uh, European counterparts are thinking about this upcoming election? I mean, obviously, Zelensky is, is worried, has stated that he is, you know, those statements 
you know, former President Donald Trump's statement make, makes him worried, right? I mean, do we, you know, what do our, our partners think? Is this, is the conflict going to continue um, to weigh on American voters as they go to the polls? Well, I, I'll, I'll go real quick, Morgan. What, whatever, whatever people think of Trump, uh, and I'm highly skeptical, but this is a primary. His rhetoric has been designed to win over the Republican base. The Republican base is more skeptical of the Ukraine support than I would like, but that's where they are. He's been emphasizing that as we shift to, and if he ends up becoming the nominee, and I don't think it's totally over yet, but if he ends up becoming the nominee, I ex- I do expect him to shift more to the middle. I think that's a lot of people are thinking he'll continue with this crazy rhetoric, uh, appealing to isolationists and that kind of thing. I'm not so sure about that. I think he's going to shift to a more moderate tone. So I think folks, smart observers abroad are kind of waiting to see the pivot to the general election campaign before they make too many judgments. Uh, I will note that the the former pre- president's rhetoric on Ukraine is incredibly worrisome. Um, I actually, less. I, I don't necessarily agree with you on this one. I actually think he's, he's pretty adamant um, that, you know, U.S. support for, for Ukraine um, will uh, contract um, significantly um, should he be uh, the, the nominee and then go on to, to win the general election. Um, I, I will note that uh, while U.S. allies and partners were incredibly concerned um, during the last Trump administration, there is continued reason for their concern. Um, we saw a significant amount of pressure put on our European allies and partners. I think that was a good thing. But I think Trump has doubled down since uh, he left office. And um, the indications that U.S. support for the for the alliance would continue, I think, is severely in jeopardy should he be the nominee. Well, we've got some predictions that we may have to test later on. OK, thanks so much. That's a wrap. Um, thank you to Devlin, Bernie, Claude Jennings and the entire NSI team for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday, January 26th, my birthday, for another episode what? of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debate shaking up America. We're now on YouTube, so check us out there. And if you like what you heard or saw, be sure to rate, review and subscribe. 